Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas, ice houses blaring on the stereo, it's humid and dangerous, and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980, and each week we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book, and Dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very, very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins. I am your host, Paul Verhoeven. My dad, John Verhoeven, is raring and ready to go. Dad, this week we are talking about chapter 23 in my book, Loose Units, and it's called Life's a Beach. And in case you haven't read it, spoiler alert, it's sort of about how my mum and dad went on what I would say is their first date. Now, dad, you and mum go and I guess you go on dates a lot. I mean, you go to Yumcha, you know, you go for runs on the beach, as we are all painfully aware. But back in the day, before you really started courting, how would you describe your dating style? Was it awkward? Was it suave? What was it? Paul, me, um, personally, being a man about town... What does that mean? Um, it means relatively suave. So just a little bit of sort of back story, you know, like back filling for the listeners. Uh, <laughs> when I used to go to parties, uh-huh. I... Do, do they call them parties now? Or? What do you what, what what can you imagine they would call them, Dad? As they gatherings, dab their way gatherings. Into- we never have, that that gatherings a bit too trendy for me. We we didn't use that that term. Or the word trendy. Look, I um, I actually once upon a time did dress quite nicely. Um, mm. I being the seventies, I had pretty long hair. You owned a poncho at one point, didn't you? Yeah, I had a poncho. Okay. Um, is this like a was this like a Mexican poncho? Is this uh, a- the, the type Clint Eastwood would wear in some of his westerns? Uh-huh. I always fancied myself as a bit of a Clint Eastwood type guy, uh, slightly aloof, uh-huh. um, sort of just really cool. So I was the t- sort of guy that would go to parties, uh-huh. and I would always arrive really early. When no one was there. You loser! Rock yeah. this dude rocking up very early in a poncho. What a f- Paul, 
Why do you have to laugh so heartily? Oh, as though shit. you actually find it funny. Uh, John's here again. There's just the DJ setting up and you're in the corner. Paul, we didn't have DJs. What did you have? We had someone that would play a record, like, you know, play records on a record player. That's a DJ? The, no, it's not. It's someone that, that lived in the place that owned a record player. Oh, right. So, and oh, they'd play crap music, like absolutely <sighs> appalling music. Now, what kind of stuff would you have played had you been the um, master of ceremonies or the DJ? Well, I probably would have um, done the place up like a cave and had sort of sheets everywhere with lots of UV lights, um, kind of little sort of grottos, bean bags, <laughs> drugs, lots of drugs and, right. and alcohol. More, so- more drugs than alcohol, probably. When I say drugs, I'm talking... Um, you know, J- marijuana. Jazz cigarettes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I my problem... Is- what you're just what you're describing is okay. John's throwing a party. You mean the guy in the poncho who gets there really early? Yeah. What's it like? Well, he's put sheets. I mean, literally everywhere. Um, Paul, in an really artistic, sa- in an artistic sort of. Autistic. But, but, but hang on, I'm, the reason I mentioned the sheets mm-hmm. and the UV lighting because I was heavily into UV lighting. What does that right. mean? Paul, I went to Weirdo's Magic Shop. <laughs> I'm deadly serious. There was a shopping city called Weirdos. Oh my god! <laughs> I used to. I love magic. Yeah, I still oh, do. So cool, Paul. What's he hiding under his poncho? <laughs> I tracked one. down a UV yeah. globe. What do you mean you tracked down? You went. You went and bought it. Don't talk no, about but- the process of. You didn't go secure it from some temple. Paul, there was a lot of work involved. We didn't have the internet back then. I had to do a lot of research, probably in libraries. Uh-huh. I'm buggered if I, if I look. I must have seen a UV light at some amazing party and thought right. I'd really like one of those uh-huh. because you used to be able to buy posters at a poster shop in George Street, Sydney, and yep. some of the posters actually used um, sort of um, like paints that reacted to fluorescent light. Mm-hmm. So you had these amazing posters, um, and they were kind of really look. This is the seventies, Paul, where it was they were psychedelic. That's the mm. word I'm looking for. Yeah. So my goal was to set up and if you wore a white T shirt yes. to these parties and had clean teeth. Everything glowed. Yeah. It was yeah. incredible. It was very atmospheric. Yeah. So the the type of party that's the type of party I would have thrown, but I never actually threw a party. Um, because I was flatting with with two guys that were just not into parties. So I just had to go to parties. I could never have my own party. Although I did have a massive stereo in my room. The speakers were so large that the entire building vibrated. But I was into like, I was not into popular music in the 70s. So I'd go to a party and I'd hear, with respect, something like John Denver singing. And it literally made me gag. And anything to do with country and western, would, I'd feel ill. Because I was into ambient music meaning Tangerine Dream, Craftwork, and lots of other more obscure. Are you laughing? Such a fucking hipster. No, but hear me out, Paul. So I'd go to these parties, Mm. but I was always the guy that was kind of leaning against (laughs) the doorway. Who's that over in the corner? It's a mysterious stranger. No, I was. That's how I used to... You know, here's my question. I, here's my question. You seem to be one of those people, and I was like this as well, who are acutely aware of uh, their outsider status and were leaning into it figuratively and literally. So, 
you clearly saw yourself as a sort of anti-establishment kind of guy, yes, you know, yep. listening to music that no one liked uh, because they weren't cool enough, not because it wasn't good enough. Uh, wearing clothes they didn't think to wear because, I mean, what, again, you are you were a hipster. You were clearly a hipster. You know, you were a vinyl-listening, poncho-wearing, obscure, record-playing hipster. Mm. Can, I, can I make a confession um, to you and the listeners? Oh, please. You may well have heard this. Mm. But when I was living in a beach suburb on the northern beaches and it was a Saturday, mm-hmm. I remember quite clearly I would have been... In fact, I've got a photograph of this what I'm about to tell you, I don't know what possessed me, but I had a desire to get an afro. Have I told you this? Oh, boy. So I actually went to a hairdresser. And back in, um, I promise you and the listeners, that in the 70s, men or teenage guys did not go to hairdressers. So that was a really big thing for me to do. I remember where the hairdresser was and possibly still is to this very day. Mm -hmm. I went and I got an afro. And it was an intense afro. It was so intense that it was like my hair had become tiny little springs. Can I ask why a white man from Beacon Hill would get an afro which is traditionally a very it's got very strong racial and if if a white man had an afro today he would be pilloried rightfully but um, hang on paul some people are born with afros yeah but you won't no but you went in now i'll tell you, you what you went and asked for an afro now i, yeah, I, gra- it cost I grant a lot you, of money it's the set look, a- it's the 70s you were young you were foolish you had a peanut for a brain but granted how did it be honest how did it actually look it was amazing. Uh, I actually went hunting um, once with my afro. Isn't there a photo obviously. of you with a gun yes, and an yes. afro? and I have an afro. And I'll tell you what, I had an earring as well. <laughs> so I had an afro. Oh, my God. Just these <laughs> so, terrible, terrible choices. I actually looked... I'll tell you. I, now, listen. Uh-huh. I, I... Can I use a, a terrible expression? I'm using it from the 70s. Uh-huh. But... Without sounding like a complete, as if I haven't already sort of gone right to the the depths of sounding like a tosser. Yeah. But Paul, Mm. I was very, very successful at parties. I pulled the chicks. I I never left a party without generally a beautiful girl. Well, that, that's a fact. Okay. So that's a damning indictment on the taste levels of women on the northern beaches in well, the 70s. Well, because I was that sort of guy that was very mysterious. Yeah, mysterious. In that I didn't say much, but when I did talk... Here's something um, I... W- what I'm trying to say, Dale, what I'm trying to establish here, is that you were seemingly willfully running against the grain, aesthetically, musically, whatever. You seem to pride yourself on being different. So how did that young man end up going so far into the establishment? How did that that person who was so anti-establishment end up becoming a cop, like a literal cop? And it's, the, it's a wonderful, wonderful question, Paul. And it's just such a layered... Um, the response is so deep and, and, um, and complex. Um, I was mainly... Yes, I was very, very anti-establishment, but I guess you could also argue that me joining the New South Wales Police Force mm-hmm. was giving the big F you to 
to perhaps my family. And I know there were relatives um, from within the family mm-hmm. that were, and this is putting it very, very mildly, they were appalled beyond belief because I was the first person in 200 years mm-hmm. on either side of the family. So that's either side of the, you know, that's the Dutch side mm. and the Australian side. And I was the first person ever. And, and, and some people in the family were genuinely mortified um, and, and really looked down and thought, how on earth could someone do that? And, and that spurred me on. But I also saw extreme excitement and 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 what an amazing um, job to go into if you want it, where you just don't know what's going to happen that day. And I think that's that's true of all emergency services and definitely uh, the military. Mm. So if you sort of, I mean, look at all the Anzacs. Look at those boys that were fourteen in those country towns in 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 you know country New South Wales mm. uh, and other states where you know I think you had to be sixteen to go away and get had get your limbs blown off in Gallipoli. You know, these whole towns just lost young boys. But, but it was the, it's adventure, the spirit of adventure. And imagine how these young kids felt when they were in Cairo looking at the pyramids. I mean, we get a thrill today if... if I mean, I'd love to go to, to Egypt and look at the... Uh, and see the mummies and that sort of stuff. But imagine, get, take yourself back 100 years and you've led a life somewhat closeted and cloistered in, in these tiny little towns and then all of a sudden... So it's, it's, I guess it's, it's the adventure calling. And um, I mean, part of what I'm trying to get at here is that you... I'm trying to set up what kind of a person you were, you know, personality-wise, romantically, and kind of then take that... Take the listener and the reader and zip them forward and see how that particular person could possibly end up with someone like Christine. Because at that point, you and mum were very different people i think i mean i don't mm. mean different from you are who you are now obviously that's true we all change over the years but i mean at that point you were very different um mum was extremely driven you know uh extremely focused she was she she was a year older than you she had a very different perspective on the police force because she was one of the first women in uniform and she'd been there for a year dealing with very traumatic stuff and she didn't have time for you know someone like you apparently but you Mm. were very persistent and weird and whilst you couldn't wear a poncho on duty although that would be very cool you clearly had still those kind of i mean you were clearly quite odd right you were Mm. clearly different to the rest of the people kind of trying to pursue mum so in this chapter uh life's a beach you do end up going on an actual date. Mm. You end up going on an, on an actual honest-to-God date. Last chapter, the two of you had sort of a moment in the car uh, after having headed through the drive-thru and, you know, you clearly thought there was some sort of connection. But I'd like you to talk myself and the listeners through this actual date and kind of the dating process. And I know when I talk to you, Dad, you seem very, like, very proud of the fact that you and Mum met and then weeks later, within a matter of weeks, you had proposed to her. Now, the way you've told it for many decades is you met her and then two weeks later you'd proposed. Hmm. I'm somewhat concerned that that is a slight exaggeration. No, it's not. Isn't it? Not, no. Get mum, mum, Is mum there now? Uh, yep. Okay, I want you to ask mum, say, how long was it between when the two of you met and you proposed? Hmm. Christine? Um. Ha- between when we met and when I proposed to you, how long was that? Probably two weeks. 
Yeah, I rest my case. I'm worried that what's happened is you've been telling this story so often that mum's internalised that she's drunk. No. No? Not a chance. Right, so mum's insisting it is, in fact, two weeks. First of all, I mean, this is a story I heard growing up a lot, but do you think two weeks was a little bit quick? Um, I don't think you can define that type of big, big moment mm. in terms of, you know, if... I mean, Christine and I were having, um, we, we had coffee this morning with our, uh, our running, you know, my Danish mate and his wife. Mm. And, um, and we were just, we ended up talking about how old they were. Now, um, my friend's wife was in, I think she was 37 when they got married. Yeah. Um, you know, I was 21. Um, but I think if you meet the right person, <clears throat> I don't think it really matters that you, I don't think you've got to get all wound up with thinking about, okay, maybe we're too young, maybe we should wait. But maybe people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, when they mate, they still think, golly, we don't want to rush it. But look, I guess as long as it's mutual, um, I had gone out with, I'd had quite a few girlfriends and I kind of felt, you know, I, I knew sort of what I, not not what I wanted because that, the word want sounds a bit, bit weird, but mm. I, I knew what I was, I guess what I was happy with, and um, and Christine, uh, you know, we we were similar. I guess one of the advantage advantages, perhaps, if you meet someone when you're uh, very young, is that you can grow together. But then, or conversely, and as is often the case, people grow apart. Mm. I mean, it's such a it's complex. I mean, look at you know, you can go into arranged marriages. I mean, statistically, they actually kind of work. I mean. You know, not in. We don't sort of. We would poo-poo them in our society, but our track record in the, in this country for for divorce is fifty percent. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Yeah, but when you guys first met, I mean, you met very, very, very early in your lives. You're 21 years old. You know, mum was a year older than you. But I guess what I'm curious about is it seems like there were some big things being thrown down very quickly. Now, I'm going to read something from chapter 23. And this is after the two of you have worked together once. Okay? Yep. And this, this strikes me as an extraordinarily forward thing to ask someone you've just met. Uh, and this is something mum says to you. Well, she ventured, I'm headed to Fiji on holiday. I have to go for family business in about a month and I'd love to get as many people here along as possible. Nothing worse than heading into, you know, family stuff unaccompanied. Basically, I want a huge group of mates to turn it into a big party. So I thought, if you want to come along, apply for a little leave, I'll shoot your flight details and we can maybe get everyone together sometime next week to plan things out. Now, it seems pretty obvious that what's happening here is... Christine was inviting a bunch of people to Fiji, but really, is it possible that she was just sort of inviting you and pretending it was a group thing? Or yeah, because yeah, she's not a me- gr- she's not a party person. But maybe, but she had friends at that point. Surely, I mean, you know, she yeah. had Sue. She 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 had friends. Yeah, but look, she's not a party type person, really. Right. So you think it was a ruse to get you alone? You know, I've never really thought about it, Paul, till you just mentioned it. Then isn't that? Why weird? don't you ask her? Ask her. Um. Christine, Paul wants to know, you know, when you invited me to Fiji, he wants to know whether you really were inviting lots of people or you actually just wanted to invite me. I just wanted to invite you. She just wanted to invite me. All right, so what's happened is clearly mum's sort of a lot more wily than we gave her credit for. And, Mm. uh, I mean, who knows what mum actually meant. Mum's very elusive in that respect. She she did pause for a... A long time, i.e. Yeah. five seconds. That's a long yeah. time. Also, I think I, I did what's known as leading the witness, where I, instead of saying, hey, t- tell me about what you said to Dad yeah, you're right. yeah. and what you were planning, yeah. I, ga- I gave her a more narratively interesting option and she took yeah. it. Which is not admissible in court. You can't uh, say that. 100%. But it mm. is on the podcast. But it's so, interesting. And some, as I said, Paul, I never never thought about it um, until I read the chapter about half an hour ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. But um, you know, when Christine invited me to the beach that day, yes, um, at DY is the actual beach. Um, it was what a beach hot. Did, what, what beach? I think did, you said Curl Curl. Oh, okay, okay. But it was DY, mm. and um, without sort of a spoiler alert, in so far as in a chapter or two, you do we do talk about where she was living. Yes. Um, so I don't want to sort of go into that too much because that's quite important in the next story, but. Um, I made my way to the beach, and I genuinely expected um, there to be other people there. And uh, and I saw her in a bikini. Um, I could probably take you and the listeners to and sort of draw an X in the sand exactly <laughs> where she was lying. That's nice. That's a long time ago. Mm. And... Uh, she was reading a book, Paul. You, funnily enough, and, and in a funny way, said it was the Thornbirds. I yes. don't know, but she did have a favourite author back then, uh, and she was an avid reader. 
and I've never been an avid reader, but she she always had a, a really good-sized paperback wherever she went. And she was just lying there, and I sort of rocked up, and, um, you know, I was a little bit nervous and um, spread the towel out. You did say something in the book that I thought was so funny. You said, oh, I was so white, people would have needed sort of glasses <laughs> to look at my pale skin. That's actually not the case um, because I... Uh, you know, it's not the first time I ever went out in the sunlight. I actually did. I, I liked going to the beach and I did a lot of outdoor activities. You know, oh, here we know. go. Yeah. Um, he found a spot next to her, spread out his towel and laid down. Skin so pale it was practically high viz. Yeah. Mm, that's okay. actually totally... You. I don't know where you got that from, but... You're um, very pale. You're very... You are very pale, Dad. What? You are ve- you're a very pale man. I mean, are sorry. Are you joking? Well, you're pale. You're not anymore because... Compared so to long. the Yeti? You just, you know, now you've got that kind of leathery visage that you only get from Quit while you're behind, Paul. Leathery. Big piece of luggage. Jesus. Like a big brown leather wallet. Well, that's just, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, and and, and I kind of knew. And, um, you know, you just know when you meet someone in in terms of, you know, the atmosphere. Mm. You just know because it's thick. It's like just, you just know that. You know, something's something's afoot, so to speak. And um, yeah, we. Uh, but then we had to sort of work together. And it was of, really, really difficult. Speaking of foot, let's just quickly talk about. I don't know if overseas listeners will quite understand what it's like to live in Australia and run across a car park towards the beach or back from the beach on a really hot day. Can you describe the unique? unique phenomenon that we seem to get here because we're very beachy i mean we grew up on the northern beaches and going to the beach in the summer was great but you had to get to and from the car can you talk mm. about what it's like i mean it's very painful i burning your feet on the Terrible. on the car park asphalt is mm. yeah well you basically just i used to i used to i tried a technique when i was in my teens yeah where i would have a beach towel and i would spread the beach towel on the bitumen yeah. and then walk a bit then get the back of the towel and move it to the front and literally but i realized that was just completely insane and if you wore thongs they'd literally melt i mean um, australia in in and and any place in the world that is really hot and that's why and then of course the sand becomes incredibly hot so you see these people kind of almost like crazed puppets dancing and running and sort of gyrating and just trying to get to the water that's not very conducive to looking cool on a first, you know, like no, a first no, proper date. But, no, um, and 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 Christine, um, and she she said to me, you know, would I like to go to Fiji? And and I genuinely believed that it was going to be that she'd invited other police officers at um, North Sydney and Mossman police stations because yeah. you're right, she did have friends, and um, and I kind of said. Yeah, I, I think it's, and I'm I'm very fortunate that I'd, you know, that the roster sergeant um, ultimately, you know, gave me permission to um, to be able to go and have a bit of a break in Fiji, and um, yeah, I mean, but my parents they absolutely loved Christine, and I can I just mention about. Like, I knew very, very quickly that Christine and I were pretty serious. So I went and had a sort of a sort of a chat with my mum. I mean, I could never, ever talk about any of this sort of stuff with my father, ever, mm. on any level. But I 
sought my mother's counsel because I really wanted, because I knew I was serious. And I said, Mum, I said, look, I met this amazing, incredible girl. She's in the in the police force. Um, and And I want you to try and guess what my mother said to me. It's so bizarre, and Mum will hear this when she listens to the podcast, being a, can, a fan. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yep. All right. And this is just based on my knowledge of uh, Grandma's personality and everything, and years of experience. Okay. Uh, is she a Catholic? Are you, are you, had you had I told you that before? <laughs> no. Am I right? Are you serious? Yeah. That's. <laughs> are you is that serious? Right? Yeah. That's what it- my mother said to me. That's the oh, first thing my mother my said God. to me. Oh is she a Catholic? Oh, my God. To which I responded, yep. no. <laughs> and Well, how did you know at that point? You, you, had, you had a talk? Or? No, Christine and I, we'd had lots and lots of discussions. And I think perhaps back in, I don't know, mm. but perhaps back in the, uh, shit, I was going to say the 70s, but the very early 80s, Yes. you know, it, it was a quite, a, quite a big thing. And... Um, yeah, so that's the first thing. And then can we tell the listeners about the first time or is it in a future chapter, that, that fateful day when I brought Christine home in uniform. Mm-hmm. She was wearing a police uniform. That's, that's later on. Okay, that's a classic. There is something else here that I want to address before we wrap the episode up um, and that's about someone bringing something else to someone's house in a very odd manner. Apparently mum rocked up. Well, she wasn't mum at this point. I'll just read this section. Here we go. Saturday morning, John spent hours frantically cleaning the apartment. He'd also bribed his brother and Gaz to get them out of the house with a slab of beers. So that afternoon, Christine rocked up in a floral dress with her hair up, clutching a very large, very expensive bottle of port. John had never before seen a beautiful woman holding a flagon before, and he expressed his surprise by attempting to refer to the port as starboard. Christine was polite enough to ignore this, chatting with John about how she'd brought it from her collection, and this was one of her best. She then placed a massive bag of crabs on the table and stated that she'd like it if they cooked them together. Perhaps John thought, staring at the young woman and her offerings of an enormous bottle of fortified wine and five kilos of crabs standing in his unusually clean apartment, I'm not the only one here who doesn't know how to flirt. Is it true that mum, on her first proper date with you, thought that maybe port and crabs were an appropriate thing? That's not... I mean, that's not normal, right? That's not normal. No, no, it's not normal, but... But Christine had a significant collection of very valuable ports, but she also had an amazing wine collection. And her knowledge of wine uh, trumped my knowledge of wine to the power of 10. In Mm. fact, I'm just trying to think whether I actually knew anything about wine. I know that in our very, very early years, Mm. we used to go to a restaurant called The Black Stump, I remember. They're famous for their steaks. Famous for their steaks. And this is in the 1980s. And I remember we used to go to the Black Stump at French's Forest, a suburb slightly slightly west of where we lived. And Christine and I, we thought we were so sophisticated Mm. getting a bottle of German Riesling. It was called Black Tower. And we were just on on next level in terms of sophistication. But knowing now what I do, because now I regard myself as a serious wine drinker. Mm -hmm. I I know what a good wine is and I love wine. Um, And I look back on those days and and, and we thought in, in this restaurant that we were just... 
you know, and we used to dress. I actually believe it or not, Paul and listeners, that I there was a time when I used to dress really well to go out. Um, I've really let the team down. Oh, Christine, yeah. You didn't have to agree so so quickly. Well, I'm the one who has to dress. I've tried dressing you for many different events, and it's like watching a kid refuse to put pants on. It's it's very odd. You really mm. get quite childish. I just I, I get set in. I like to be really super comfy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually we went out for yum cha with my brother and his partner um, yesterday, mm. and I actually decided to put on a. A, a really nice pair, I admit, uh, a nice pair of shorts. That and Christine almost she did a double take, and so did I. I saw myself in the mirror and I thought, shit. I, and I thought, wow, I should do this more often. But as soon as I came home, I put them away and put my my normal kind of because I just look, you know. <laughs> You've really I, let things. Sl- I mean, here's the thing, Dad. It would be nice if you made a bit of effort for Mum. But I think what's interesting is back then you clearly were just, you know, it's those early days. You're trying to really impress the other person. Uh, but what was it like? Here's something I'd like to figure out before we wrap the episode up. What was it like being in the early days of dating another police officer? In, in a time when dating another police officer would have been extremely uncommon because not only were there not many women who were police officers, but... You know, what, like, what, what was that like? What was that like for you socially and what was it like for you as a couple? Well, we didn't really have any friends. Um, yes, you did. You had, you know, you had, you had not, you know, not Ju- really. Julian and you had- Well, look, we were, we, we were not that sociable, to right, be honest okay. with you. Mm-hmm. And I think in the early stages of any hardcore relationship, you don't really, you just tend to focus and, you know, think about the two the two people in the relationship. Cause it's, yeah. And I think a lot of friends sometimes get a little bit sad and, and sort of excluded, but that was not a major problem that we had. But we did have the the problem mm-hmm. of working together. Yes. And that was, so, you know, I was obviously jealous, obviously, because I knew and Christine knew where we were, but no one else at the station did. Yeah. And, and Christine was still, you know, greatly admired by a lot of the, the police there. A lot of them, and and senior ranks too, and and kind of that seniority things that throws another spanner into the works, and I couldn't say anything, and we we worked together, and we we realised very very early on that it was on so many levels really uncool, um, and dangerous, and uh, you know there are situations that will become apparent where I put Christine's and my lives in danger and also members of the public by by being bloody irresponsible. One thing I would like to just quickly address is would you have any advice for people thinking about dating other cops or do you think it is... I mean, of course, your perspective is very different because it's probably, you know, way more common now. Or maybe you're not allowed to do it. Maybe now you are not allowed to do it. Oh, you can't legislate against that. We're having all these dramas in society and it's very much in, in, in the spotlight about, you know, relationships at work um, and, and right across the board. However, let's, let's, let's get fair income for a second here. Let's, let's be very pragmatic and real. And that is that when you do actually meet someone, I mean, honestly, you just, you can't stop it. Mm. Uh, and then you've got to make some serious 
hardcore decisions. Um, but it's tough, and it's very tough. And um, are you glad I, you did it? Oh, 100%. But also, uh, it's tough marrying or going out with people. I mean, if both are in the emergency services, that's one thing. Mm. But then if you go out with someone that you're not in the emergency services and they are, and they come home and they have experienced a traumatic event. Yeah. There was a motor vehicle accident in New South Wales on the south coast yesterday Mm -hmm. that involved three people. One of the people was a young boy, all killed at the scene. So those responding officers, male and female from all the services, Mm -hmm. they experienced something that most of us will not experience. And for those that did experience that yesterday, they in turn at some point go home. Now, you know, what do they do? What do they say? I guess one positive is that if their partner was in the emergency services Mm -hmm. or worked in a hospital or at least been exposed to those traumatic events, they may be able to, you know, reassure and, and comfort that's not to say that the partner that has not been involved in that may also not be able to be or w- could be very very good at comforting yeah um, so yeah. it's a it, you know it's 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 a tough gig but um i would say to people that you know when you fall in love there are so many things and it's you know look i don't think i don't think there's any point in reading stuff about it you just you, you go in and you and you follow your heart and your mind and and I guess I tend to be a believer in not listening to what friends have to say. <laughs> I don't think you should go through life getting asking people what they think because I honestly, who knows? It's up to you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're obviously going to skip the next chapter because the next chapter is a joke uh, that I thought would be very funny and which... We regularly get listeners saying, "What's wrong with the oh, the book's defective? There's all this blacked out text. I think I got a I think I got a busted copy of the book." And we have to go. No, it's a joke. It's a joke that makes sense in context. But suffice to say that we'll be skipping next week's chapter uh, and going straight to the chapter after that and dealing with the continuing ramifications of what happens when John and Christine have to keep going out and when one of them effectively gets asked to bail from the force because she's a woman. It is going to be an absolutely fascinating episode of Loose Units next week. But later on this week, we're going to have another episode of Loose Ends, so make sure you get ready for that. Hope you're all having a wonderful week. We hope you all had a great Easter weekend, and we will see you at the end of the week for some Loose Ends. See you later. Bye. Cheerio. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.